It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome in episode 180, What's Right with Nick Wright, NFL Week 3 Reaction Show. We've got a ton to get to, a Monday night football doubleheader. The prince that was promised is still promised, but as Demonze said, he's not been very profitable. We'll get to that. The most dominant half in the NFL all season was played this weekend, and it was not in the game where a team scored 70 points. We'll get to that. But first, before we even bring in Demonze, here's what missed the cut. Derek Carr, week to week with a shoulder injury. That's not on today's show. Megan Rapinoe plays her final game for the U.S. Women's National Team. That is, she is an international legend and an American legend. And Coach Prime in Colorado get blown out by Oregon. And, oh boy, it doesn't get any easier as Caleb Williams heads to Boulder this this Saturday afternoon and is going to hang 60 on them. Listen, I like Coach Prime. I like the story of the Buffaloes. But USC is going to roll them over. Uh, Demonze, real quick, and I know tomorrow Thursday's the gambling show. You can't blame Trevor for your teaser dying when wasn't a leg of it the Baltimore Ravens, and didn't they lose outright? The Ravens played the Colts, and yeah. the Jags played the Texans. Um, no, I get that, but even if I mean, the Trevor had taken care of business, wouldn't your teaser have still lost? I feel like you're lashing out at Trevor and by proxy Trevor? me when right, the teaser he didn't was even just play a, a losing close game. Bet. But C.J. Stroud's clearly that guy. I give him the benefit of the doubt at this point. Wow. Um, but wow. But yeah, dude, you don't have to. You guys don't have to tell me. I will not be including the Jags in any more bets. Uh, <laughs> no, no need Did to put make- a ban on it. It's done. Can, Go ahead. Can I just ask you a quick question before we get into the show? Did you make more than one wager this weekend? No. Uh, that was the other one. It was just the one. Was just it, the, was it the regular size, or did you go a little harder because you won last week? No, it was about the regular size. I mean... About... Okay, so maybe a touch no, harder. It, maybe a touch... You Go ahead. You just seemed it's, extra it's just salty really, about was, Trevor. I, I was. I mean, I was just blindsided by this. I expected these guys to go out there and take care of business. But, hey, the Ravens didn't either. But at least they took the yeah. game to overtime, man. But, hey, dude. Yeah, it, it, that is true. Because you teased the Ravens game and you only needed them essentially to win outright, that bet was a lie. They were in it. The, exactly. They, they were, were in, in it. it. But now, flip side, Galaxy Brain it before we get to Monday Night Football. Imagine if Trevor had taken care of business. And that was an easy win. How excruciating watching the Ravens miss a 60-yard field goal that looked like it was good, then get the ball in overtime, not get the call going their favor. How It would have been so much more painful. Instead, the Jags just killed you pretty quickly and easily, painlessly. Just shot to the back of the head. You're like, all right, this is a loss. So the the bright side, right? You didn't let the Ravens tear your heart out. No, that's fair. That's fair. All right, let's get to Monday Night Football. What are we starting with? 
All right, so Joe Burrow played through his calf injury and uh, barely beat the Rams. He said the risk yep. of re-injury wasn't greater than the risk of going 0-3. So now the Bengals yep. go to Tennessee and Arizona, where they will be favored in both games. Are Joe Burrow and the Bengals back? No, I don't. not at all. Yeah. They look back to anybody yesterday? I mean, listen, I, I don't blame Joe for this, but he can't throw the ball down the field. Because of his injury. He can't roll out of the pocket because of his injury. He can barely protect himself because of his injury. And this is why I think the Bengals are making a massive mistake. I think they could have won yesterday without Joe Burrow. They mm-hmm. I understand he threw the ball like 50 times, but and I, again, I am not taking a shot at him. He is an injured player. And there's only one Patrick Mahomes. There's only one guy that, even on one leg, is still the best quarterback in football. It Listen, it's it's just true. And so any other player would be, and maybe Mahomes with a calf injury as opposed to a half-broken ankle would have been compromised. <laughs> I have my doubts, but everybody else is going to be compromised. He Joe shouldn't have been out there. And not only did you put him out there, But in a game where the Rams cannot move the ball, you ask Joe Burrow to drop back. He dropped back 54 times. 49 pass attempts, sacked twice, ran the ball three times. That's 54 dropbacks. And the reason I think this is foolish is because if your goal is the Super Bowl in Cincinnati, which it clearly is, the only way to reach that goal is to have Joe Burrow be healthy at the end. And by playing him right now, I think you're almost guaranteeing this calf issue is going to linger all year long, potentially get worse. And now you might say, well, what good is he healthy if we miss the playoffs? Understand. But when you have the Rams, the Titans, and the Cardinals, and then they have, I think then they have a tough game and then the bye. It's Rams, Titans, Cardinals, then home for the Seahawks, and then a bye. You could have asked Jake Browning and the rest of your team, can they get you to two and two through these four and then be two and four and alive with a healthy Joe Burrow? They went in another direction. And the guy's throwing the ball four yards past the line of scrimmage on average. I just don't think it's a sustainable model. I worry for Joe. Everybody is talking about, oh my goodness, he could, you know, a calf can lead to an Achilles. And that's true. But set that aside. Demonze, you know what a calf injury can lead to in the NFL? A broken collarbone. Yeah, but... Yeah, a broken collarbone. You know why? Because uh, you, you can't, can't escape and, and somebody destroyed. can get hit. Exactly. Like, everybody's talking about the Achilles because Rodgers had the calf strain, popped his Achilles. Durant had a calf strain, popped his Achilles. I get that. But the idea that that's the only injury it can lead to disregards the fact that this is a contact sport. And In the NBA, already struggling. Yeah, Exactly. In the NBA, all you really worry about with a ca- that a calf will turn into an Achilles. But in the NFL, a calf can turn into a separated shoulder. 
a calf can turn into a anything because Aaron Donald and next week Jeffrey Simmons are bearing down on you and throwing you to the ground. And so, I listen, I Joe Burrow, I know there's this like Bengals-Chiefs rivalry, and so people think I'm anti-Bengals. I am not anti-Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has, has always conducted himself awesome. He's been a clutch player. He's been great. I think he's super cool. I like the way he carries him. All of that. And I think what's I think right now is an example of the team needing to protect him from himself. And yeah. I don't think he is the gap between Joe Burrow and Jake Browning. Browning was a really good college player who's thrown one pass in the NFL. So I have no idea if he's gonna, you know, even be a league average backup. The gap between Burrow and Browning is massive. But the gap between this version of Joe Burrow and Browning might not be. And I if I I just think Cincinnati is doing the wrong thing here. In a week where we saw Gardner Minshew come in and beat the Ravens, <laughs> where we saw Andy Dalton come in and play fine, where we saw Jameis Winston come in off the bench and lead a drive that put him in field goal range. They ended up losing, but led a drive that put them in field goal range. Like, I just, I think it's a mistake. All right, next. All right, Philly is 3-0 after dominating Baker and the Bucks. Uh Reality set in. Baker Mayfield's not yeah. going 17-0. Um, well, I don't think anybody thought he was going 17-0. Go ahead. You didn't think that? No, I like Baker. I didn't think he was going undefeated. I did think they could win last night. I was wrong on that, but go ahead. That's what you thought. All right, well, meanwhile, Dallas got smoked by Arizona, and Dak keeps having meltdowns. Do you regret picking the Dallas Cowboys to get get past this Philly team in the NFC East? No, I don't. I still think Dallas wins the division. Now, week three was obviously a disaster for Dallas, and we'll talk about Philly in a moment. Dallas, I, I'm not excusing how the defense played, but I understand how the defense played because I do think there is a real emotional toll taken by Trayvon Diggs popping his Achilles in a practice late in the week that can have a real effect on that team for 96 hours in a way that the defense is not what you expected it to be. So I can I can deal with that part of Dallas. The part of Dallas that is inexcusable is the fact that in this game, they moved the ball. They had over 400 yards of offense. They got in the red zone five times, and they scored 16 points. That is the most red zone that no team in the last two years has gotten in the red zone five or more times and scored fewer than Dallas's 16 points. In the second half, they had trips that ended on the eight, the four, the eight, and the six-yard line and came away with six points. That's pathetic. So that and so Dak needed to be better. McCarthy needed to be better. Pollard needed to be better. That's pathetic. The Eagles, on the other hand, last night, I give them credit, man, that their fronts, they might have the best offensive line in football, and they might once again have the best defensive line in football. And the fact that they got Jalen Carter, 
They made the Super Bowl and they got the guy who a lot of people thought was the single best player in the draft because he fell because of of off-field concerns, to put it mildly. And then the Bears are sitting there at nine. They trade back a spot. And let the Eagles jump up and get Jalen Carter is for kind of insult to injury for Bears fans who are having a terrible season. With all that said about Philadelphia, their fronts, I still have major questions about their ability to defend the downfield passing game. Baker could not take advantage of it in the rain with Mike Evans dropping balls and Baker not having a good night. And Jalen Hurts is not playing well. The team's playing fine. Jalen is not playing well. Jalen on the year, three picks, three touchdowns. He is not as been as dynamic of a rusher as he was last year. He's got an 84 passer rating. And teams are kind of daring him to throw the football. And even last night where he finally had a big yardage game, 277, his first game all year throwing for more than 200 yards, he got picked off twice. He completed, you know, like 58% of his passes. And there was some sloppiness there. So I do have, I do think that the Cowboys obviously look terrible this weekend and there's no denying that and the Eagles just got kind of a gritty win but I am not ready to pencil the Eagles back in the Super Bowl with that said again the the fact that they were able to get Jalen Carter go to the Super Bowl and get a guy that a lot of people thought was the single best player in the draft is an all-time coup it's an all-time coup by them that will pay dividends for years and years one other thing about the Eagles And this isn't really about the Eagles, this is about the NFL. I said it six months ago, I'll say it again, I will eventually be proven right. That tush-push play is a blight on the league. It's bad for the sport, it should not be allowed. It is... Listen, here's the question I would... It's fair. It's terrible. (laughs) And the question I would ask everyone that says, oh, just get better, get tougher, get stronger, learn to stop it. Let me ask this question. If Philadelphia perfected it to a degree where instead of being a guaranteed one or two yards, it was a guaranteed four or five yards, would the NFL outlaw it? And the answer is, is yes. Why? Because it would ruin the sport. Because it would change it would if they could if they could get four or five yards on that every single play, it would be the only play they would run, and it would ruin the watchability of the NFL. At the end of the day, pro football is the entertainment business. You have the ugliest play in the sport that is actually a play from <laughs> another sport. It is a rugby play. It is a first cousin of a baseball team signing a two foot twelve or ten inch tall guy to go up to bat because he has no strike zone and he would get an instant walk. Why? Like, oh, why, that's why, savvy. Why are why are the Eagles the only team doing this? Why haven't other teams started doing this as well? Because the Eagles it, have the you, best center in the league, and they have they have uh, the means the strongest, to do it. 
They have the means to do it. But other teams, I well, there's another reason they like, do yeah, it. Like, yeah, go ahead. The, there's another reason. I think they are foolishly putting their quarterback at risk of injury in a way a lot of other teams are not comfortable. I And every time you see that play, and it's 11 guys on the defense trying to attack Jalen Hurts knowing what he's going to do, and then three of his own teammates pushing him from the back, it is, to me, a very risky play, but more importantly, it's an ugly play, and the NFL eventually <laughs> will ban it. They will, and if they got too good at it, like the only reason it was not banned last year is because they have not gotten good enough at it. If they could get four yards on it with the consistency, then get a yard and a half, it would be the only play they ran. And I'm going to say one other thing that people are going to say is crazy, but I, I believe it. I bet Jalen Hurts doesn't like it, Demonse. Not only, <laughs> not only because it can be painful, but it's a little. It's I don't embarrassing. Say, it's not. <laughs> you want to say it's, it's embarrassing? not embarrassing because he's. It, it's his strength that. But it is. It it's there is an element of like, this is what we got to do. Like it's like yeah. there's an element of like spamming the same play call in Madden. 100%. Like, oh, you found a little loophole and you're just going to go, go, go. I don't know. I I am. What I do know is this. It is not going to be in the league five years from now. It might not be in the league six months from now. I'm very surprised the competition committee didn't eliminate it this offseason. And again, once upon a time, you were not. Go ahead. I think if they're doing it in the Super Bowl, like there's, it's a long way from getting, from getting banned. It's like if they allowed well, they it in that about, setting. I mean, they talked about it this offseason and they left it, but it's very simple to ban, which is just say you can't push the ball carrier. They already have a rule that you can't pull the ball carrier. That's a rule on the books. You can't get in front of the ball carrier and pull him if you're on offense. Have it, and they once upon a time they had a rule saying you can't push him. Uh, the fact that they're not bringing that back is very surprising to me. All right, next. They also went thirty-seven for forty-one doing that last year. By the way, and this year, this year they're six of seven, and the only one they didn't get either a first down or a touchdown was when with the mo- the reason I'm talking about this is the one they failed yesterday was because. Yes, not the fake, but the one they did yesterday, they had a third and two and a half, and they did it (laughs) with no intent of picking up the first down there, but with the belief, we're going to do it, we're going to get our yard, yard and a half, and then we're going to do it again, and that's what they did. (laughs) It was, I mean, it's just, it's just not pleasant football to watch. All right, next. All right, Miami dropped 70 on the Broncos and probably could have scored a lot more, if we're being honest. They did all this without Jalen Waddell. Are the Dolphins now the biggest threats to your Chiefs to repeat? They are. I'll answer that question for you. Listen, I think the Dolphins, everyone's very, very high on the Dolphins this week. 
Demonze, Dolphins are, this is not my opinion. The Dolphins are in Buffalo this week. What do you think the line is? Dolphins are in Buffalo. They're in Buffalo. Uh, Bills minus two and a half. Nailed it. Great job. That's a, you yeah. got it to the exactly. So the reason I and so the reason I bring that up is the idea that the Dolphins have separated themselves from the entire NFL. I think is inaccurate. Right? If they're still a team, if they're playing Buffalo, who's really, really good, obviously, and it's like, okay, Buffalo gets almost the typical home field advantage, then Vegas does not yet fully buy in. Go ahead. You want to say something. You seem to have fully bought in on Miami. Go ahead. Definitely bought in on Miami. But what I will say is, I think that it'll, I think by the end of the year, I think the Broncos kind of came into this year with a little bit of juice. And, like, people thought that they were a little bit better than they are. And the defense has obviously been the only thing that they've had going for them. But I think at the end of the year, we'll find out that the Broncos were, like, a really, really bad team. And I also think that at the end of the year, that if Tua stays healthy, that we're going to find that the Dolphins are probably one of the two best teams in the NFL. So it'll just make more sense why that score make was more that sense. That, listen, I think, that's, I think that analysis is m- mostly correct. Uh, and now 70 is still 70, but allowing a team to run for 350 is mortifying. If you're (laughs) the Denver Broncos, they appeared to get, they, they allowed 720 yards of offense that I've never seen. And my, and I, let's just remove the Tua injury part from this part of the discussion. I, so let's just say he's going to be healthy all year. I, there, this is the reason that when everybody was high on the Jets and some were still high on the Bills, I picked Miami to win this division. I think Miami, Vic Fangio is going to try to get that defense right. They should have Jalen Ramsey, hopefully, back by the end of the year. And they have the six fastest runs in the NFL all year. The six fastest by next-gen stats plays a guy with the ball in his hands, for all teams all year, they are all Miami Dolphins. Three by Tyreek Hill, two by Mostert, one by A-Chain, I believe is what it is. But the six fastest tracked guys with the ball in their hands are six different Miami Dolphin plays. The speed is unbelievable. McDaniel is a genius. All right? I give them all that credit. Do, now I'm going to sound like the old football guy, Sorry, do I have a little concern about how this looks in the cold, in bad weather, in the playoffs? Yeah, I do. I think you build a team based on raw speed. We have seen that work before, but the teams that we have seen it work for typically are dome teams. And the idea is we're going to get home field, we're going to play in controlled environments, and we're going to make a track meet. The greatest show on turf, the Rams with Kurt Warner, the Colts with Peyton, the Vikings with Moss, We the, the Falcons attempted this a couple times. It is now Miami has great weather, obviously, almost year-round. But as I mentioned, they are, you know, they're underdogs this week in Buffalo. So in order 
the in order for me to truly believe that the Dolphins can keep this going for six months, I think they really, really need to continue rolling in the regular season to try to make the playoffs go through Miami. The playoffs don't go through Miami, and all of a sudden they are... Like, I am curious. You know I don't believe in the Browns, for instance. Okay, Mm -hmm. you know that. But that defense has been the best in the league. The best in the league. I'm curious how how this Miami team would look in January in Cleveland in that type of environment. Like I really okay. am. And so yeah, I, mean, that's fair. I, I am not I'm not throwing shade. I also want to know how good this defense is. Because they've played one good quarterback and he moved the ball at will until that final drive in Herbert. They had thirty four scored thirty four points. Yeah. Then you played Mac Jones who stinks. Then you played Russell Wilson, who's not as bad as last year, but still not very good. And so I am not ready to anoint them, but 70 points is 70 points. Now, amazingly, despite scoring 70, I mean, you know, the most lopsided half of football this weekend was the Chiefs, 34-0 over the Chicago Bears. But we can keep going. What are the follow-ups here? Bears might be the worst team in the NFL. But uh, that's true. Yep. (laughs) In your opinion, do you think Tua is officially more than a system quarterback, or do we owe all of this to Coach McDaniels? Also, actually, not all of it, but yes. both of them. I mean, just let me answer that quickly. I, I think it's both. I think he is a system quarterback, but he is playing this system as well as anyone could play it. No one right now. You can't argue right now through three weeks that oh, if the Dolphins had someone else, they'd be substantially better now when teams adjust and I'm waiting for the team that is going to do what we saw of the I think it was the Chargers and someone else maybe they start the back on the receivers the, not back start up on the receivers start, start up okay so what the, the idea there is oh get him, get him so he doesn't risk, get that boost it, well and we're gonna risk getting beat deep but what we're going to do is jam your receivers, throw off your timing a bit, and make Tua hold on to the ball a little bit longer. And then, yeah. listen, the reason teams aren't doing that is they're so terrified of Tyreek or Waddle, Waddle wasn't even there this week, of beating them off the line, and it's an easy touchdown. But they're just killing you 18 yards at a time anyway. And Tua's only been sacked once all year. He's getting the ball out like that. They're getting out there. You can't you can't just let them dice you up like this. So I'm very curious, and I wonder what Buffalo looks like against them because the Buffalo Bills, to their credit, their front has looked awesome this whole season, and not just in this winning streak. That defensive front has looked great. That's to me the game of the week. All right, what's the other follow up? Did, on TV, you said that Tua should reopen his contract negotiations because you see a midseason holdout. So I couldn't see it, but this is what I believe. So Tua was in the same draft class as Joe Burrow, who got paid, as Justin Herbert, who got paid. The Dolphins were in a negotiation with him this offseason. It didn't get finished, and Chris Greer, their GM, has said, we're going to table it till the end of the year. Okay. 
What do we also know? Demonze, the just a quick reminder for the audience. Since drafting Tua, the Miami Dolphins have tried to acquire Tom Brady to replace him, had a trade in place for Deshaun Watson to replace him. They were connected to Russell Wilson and briefly connected to Aaron Rodgers. And the Rodgers thing was this offseason. Four times they've tried to replace him. The my, let me let me throw something else out there. Let's say the Dolphins and Tua had not broken off negotiations and they were working on a deal headed into this past week's game against Denver and they were close. It's like okay, we you know, we need to work out some finer points, but we have the broad parameters agreed to, right? And in that but they haven't signed anything. And in that game Tua suffers another concussion. Would the Dolphins then stop the negotiations? The answer is, of course they would. They'd say, ah, we, you know, sorry, but it's too risky. Okay. Given all of that, would it not be totally reasonable for Tua to walk into their office and say, I want my contract, and I want it before Sunday at 1 o'clock? And don't say... I'm blowing this thing up. You guys would be blowing this thing up. You spent the fifth overall pick on me. I've been a perfect citizen. I have dealt with a coach in Flores who didn't believe in me. I've done everything right. Nine months ago, I thought my career might be over. I now just hung 70, 70 points on a team. People think we can win the Super Bowl. I want real lifetime financial security. And if you don't give it to me, we're going to have a problem here. It would be totally reasonable. It would be totally understandable. And I don't think he's going to do it. I think if I were close with to it, now I might tell him, hey, if you do this, you're not going to get a record-breaking contract. You're going to sacrifice some of the contractual upside. You're not going to beat Burrow or Herbert. But could he go to them and say, I want, you know, I'll be reasonable. Call it four years, and instead of $55 million a year like guys are getting, $48 million a year with half of it guaranteed. $100 million fully guaranteed at signing, just under $50 million a year. I want it locked in. That would be reasonable. And if, you know, if I were close with Tua, that's the advice I would give him personally. All right, next. That's fair. All right, the Broncos are 0-3 and are somehow favored against the Bears. Uh, Is Denver the biggest flop in the league, or should more criticism go to a team like the Jets or the Vikings or Jacksonville or Jacksonville? All right, well, Jacksonville's really disappointing. The Jacksonville's the only team on this list that I thought could be really good. And they allow a kick return touchdown to a damn fullback. The defense has been pathetic. Trevor's been fine, but not great, which is disappointing. Now, Jacksonville obviously has a bit of a history of slow starts, and I'm not abandoning them. But they have been the most disappointing for me. The Vikings, we knew these close game chickens were coming home to roost. 0-3 sucks. But you go 11-0 in one score games last year, 
headed into the playoffs, and then you lose a playoff game by one score in your first three games of the year by one score, that's that old variance coming, you know, regression to the mean, if you will, coming back into play. The, The Jets and Broncos, the hype never made sense. And I know everyone's like, oh, with the Jets, it's just because of Rodgers' injury. Their left tackle's on IR now, Dwayne Brown. That would have happened with or without Rodgers. Their whole plan for if Rodgers got dinged was that Zach Wilson was going to be better through some version of quarterbacking osmosis where he was going to get better just by being around Aaron Rodgers, which is about the same logic of, I have a huge chemistry test in the morning. I'm going to put my textbook under my pillow before I go to sleep and hope the knowledge seeps into my brain. That's not how this works, guys. And the the whole off-season plan of just hiring Aaron Rodgers' friends, whether it's your offensive coordinator, Lazard, Cobb, bringing in Tim Boyle as your backup quarterback, all of it, it's never made any sense. And the Jets, in my opinion, are getting to a degree what they kind of deserve here. Go ahead. What were you about to say, Demonte? Well, I mean, you know that they're not just saying just by being around him or him just standing around. Like, obviously, they're having conversations. They're probably going through drills. Rogers is probably giving him his little his little life hacks that come on the football How's field. How's it working? Wanna... I mean, it's, it's not, but <laughs> I was just speaking out because, you know, like you're making it seem like, oh, just by standing here. But, yeah, I, I get it. They uh, thought only being around so Aaron was going to make him better. He's been terrible. And I want to say something about Tim Boyle. So Tim Boyle, so hey, here's the other thing. And put DeMonte back on the screen if you would, because I want DeMonte's <laughs> real-time reaction to this. So Aaron Rodgers, right, they went into the season with a quarterback depth chart of Rodgers, awesome, but 39 years old, coming off an injury in the worst year of his career, with the biggest question mark to the team being offensive line. Then Zach Wilson, statistically speaking, objectively, one of the worst quarterbacks ever, and then Tim Boyle, okay? I Then Rodgers gets hurt, and they do not add another quarterback. Think about how many teams this year have, the Patriots just added Will Greer. How many quarterback moves there have been? The Packers had Aaron Rodgers go down. They've added no quarterbacks. Okay, so we know how bad Zach is, so why is he still playing? So, Tim Boyle has been in this league since 2019, 2018. He's thrown 106 passes. Somehow, of those 106 passes, eight of them have been intercepted. That seems okay. outrageous, but it's true. That's not the part of that I wanted your reaction to. Because this is really does show you anything is possible. Make the right relationships, get along with the right people. You can be in this league for six years. Demonze, Tim Boyle played college football at the FBS, the top level, for three years at UConn. He then transferred to Eastern Kentucky, a lower tier school. Okay. At UConn, Demonze, Tim Boyle played, again, three years. In his career of top-level college football, I swear to you, he had one touchdown. 
Now you might say, <laughs> hold. You might say, well, hold on. How much did he play? Was he just a backup? Demonze, I sh you not. Tim Boyle's career at UConn, three years of playing, he had one touchdown and 13 interceptions. Guys in the NFL. That's a true story. He then went to Eastern Kentucky. Was there, wait, was their running is, back really good? No, the team was terrible. The, the, he went to Eastern Kentucky, a FCS school, started the whole year, and had 11 touchdowns and 13 picks. This guy's been in the NFL for six <laughs> years. You might say, why is he in the Jets quarterback room? The same reason Nat Hackett's there. Because he's Rodgers' buddy. Because he, he reportedly went on that ayahuasca trip with Rodgers. It's just no way to run a team. So you got it. You keep trotting Zach Wilson out there. You spent the number two overall pick on him. You don't want to admit he's terrible. You can't bench him because Tim Boyle couldn't figure out the, the uh, defenses at UConn or much less in the NFL. You're just screwed. And then there's the Broncos who just allowed 70 points and the head coach who said that, that Nat Hackett had the worst coaching job of all time is out there openly rebelling against Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was in the game down 70 to 20, throwing passes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, just speaking, a disaster. Speaking, All right, go ahead. Speaking of the Broncos, actually, uh, yeah, Sean Payton, I think, has just kind of brought, brought the microscope on everything, you know, made this the coaching job heard around the world. Like, you go out yes. there and you say, Nat Hackett has done the worst job in history. Then you go out there and you kick the onside kick the very first play of the season, and it's like it's I, he's just plagued the team. He's plagued. I think he's doing Everything. a lot more damage than anything anybody else on the team. Well, I like, here's the thing: he certainly put a bullseye on his back when he didn't need to. For it was just an all-time gaffe. All right, last one. Uh, after after you said Deshaun Watson would never be good again, he had his best game in years. Did you write him off a little too soon? Okay, so this is... I, I added this to the show because it's something I want to say here. First of all, the Browns' defense has been phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Now, they haven't played the greatest collection of quarterbacks. I understand that. <clears throat> they played Burrow in Week 1, but Burrow was obviously hurt. Week 2, they played Kenny Pickett. And they lose, but they lose because they allow two defensive touchdowns. And week three, they play Ryan Tannehill. They have is they have allowed one touchdown all year, that Browns defense. Credit to them. And Deshaun, despite the fact he had maybe the single worst play in the NFL all season in week three, when he was getting sacked and just threw the ball backwards inexplicably, uh... He played the best game he's played in years. The best game he's played is a Brown. Uh, so, credit to him. The reason I wanted to mention the Browns here is because I want to say something to the general public. You can root for whoever you want. Teams, your team, got it. No problem. Love the art, hate the artist, all that stuff. The amount of people that are caping in my Twitter mentions for Deshaun Watson and not recognizing how that makes them look 
is baffling to me. I get it. I get it if you're like, you know what? I'm a diehard Browns fan. We're in a rough spot, but this is my team. I want us to do well. I don't even judge you for that at all. I get that. Sports can bring some odd moral quandaries at times. Understand all that. But the amount of people, led by the way, oddly, by a guy I like a lot, fringe Hall of Famer, Josh Cribbs, former Browns legend, that are like, oh, Deshaun's really showing you, like, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe you're like, man, that defense kicks ass. Man, we sure rallied, you know, 1-1 for Nick Chubb. But it's just an odd guy to lionize, especially because I still don't think he's any good. But it's just, it's a very... Even your guy Braun's on his team, by the way. I don't love that. I know. That is the... And I think it's a bad look for him. I think it's a bad look. Like, you can root for the team and not... Be caping for Deshaun. The guy shouldn't and be in the league, man. I listen. You're yeah. you feel very strongly about that. I, I. How do I agree with you, while also understanding it the potential unintended consequences of if someone is never actually even charged much less convicted of a crime, banishing them from the league could have long-term real, you know what I mean? The butterfly effect and unintended consequences of that could be super problematic. In this specific instance, I agree with you, but I understand why for the NFL that's not a tenable thing because there were never any legal charges and certainly there wasn't any conviction but I just, but set that part aside. I just, it's a weird guy to be like, oh, I'm gonna send this tweet telling this he guy he's a clown. Like I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he ra- Yeah, he showed. I don't get that at all. All right, I said we had to go fast today because there's gonna be construction outside Demonte's studio. Instead, we did a 45 minute A block. Take a quick break. Come right back. What's right? Warmer, sunnier days are approaching, so fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Factor will help you meet your wellness goals just in time for summer, thanks to a vast menu of chef-crafted, never-frozen meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These fresh meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Variety? They have that. Factor has 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. Working on wellness goals? Factor has you covered with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. How do they taste? They're delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious, and delicious options. What about quality? Each Factor meal is restaurant quality with premium ingredients like filet mignon, blackened salmon, and shrimp. So start spending less time in the kitchen now because you don't have to shop, prep, cook, or clean up. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash nickwright50 
50 and use code NickWright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code NickWright50 at factormeals.com slash NickWright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Welcome back in episode 180 of What's Right with Nick Wright. And this episode of What's Right is brought to you by the McDonald's app. How many times you've been in that situation where you've had a really long day and you're really hungry, but the last thing you want to do is cook a meal or leave your house or to go pick something up. I've been in this situation literally hundreds of times. And you know what I often do and what my saving grace has been? The McDelivery option in the McDonald's app. We're talking about getting McDonald's delivered right to your door. And now, Every time you order McDelivery in the McDonald's app, it earns you points towards free food. And who doesn't like free food? I love their breakfast menu. My all-time favorite menu item is still the Big Mac, as I know it is for many of you. There's always a reason to order in the McDonald's app. Download the McDonald's app today at participating McDonald's. Delivery prices may be higher than at restaurants. Delivery and other fees may apply. Copyright 2023 McDonald's. All right, welcome back in. Demonze, we were on a time crunch here. I've got to go do the herd with Colin and then got the show. I think there's massive construction scheduled right outside your window. So we got to keep going. So let's go to our game, All in or Fold. Go ahead. All in or Fold. All right, so apparently Travis Kelsey, or not Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift was at the Chiefs game yeah. this weekend. Um, yeah. Apparently. Under, undercovered uh, so story. Yep. Yeah, right. Well, so my question for you is, is Kelsey officially a bigger celebrity than Mahomes? No, not yet. But um, if he and Taylor Swift were to become a serious long-term item, he could be. Uh, I do think he is now. I do now think, though, that the two, I think the biggest celebrity in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes now that Tom Brady's retired. And I think the second is Travis Kelsey. I think Travis Kelsey is a bigger celebrity than any other quarterback now. I also, everybody is talking like, oh, if you're trying to find a negative, like, could this be a distraction? Could this be bad for the Chiefs? I look at it differently. I'm going to make you laugh here, but this is maybe, maybe this is the twisted version of my brain, what I first thought of. Does this actually help the Chiefs with the Chris Jones negotiation? Can Travis be like, listen, there's pros and cons here, buddy. Like, yeah, I take a little less, but you see, Taylor Swift. I I, I say on my podcast that I, I wanted to go, I wanted to give Taylor Swift my friendship bracelet. All of a sudden, she's here. You think that's gonna happen for Sam Laporta in Detroit? No, it's not. Like there is, you know. So Chris. You know who's the? You got a celebrity crush? You and I'm not sure if Chris is married He's or married not. I kids. apologize. Chris Jones, are you sure? Or are you just trying to make me feel bad? Married. I was trying to make you feel bad. Okay. I don't know if he's married. Um. So yeah, I don't. I. I guess there. I guess the idea is there are. So, so he is married. All right. So maybe not celebrity crush, <laughs> but the fact that you can become internationally known, being a part of this dynastic run. Uh, but Kelsey's not a bigger celebrity than Mahomes. I do think he's a bigger celebrity than everyone else in the league. Next. 
C.J. Stroud is off to a record-setting start for the Texans. Not only is he putting up stats, but he's also dethroning the monarchy. All in her fold, a new prince rules the AFC South. Well, that's obviously ludicrous, but C.J. Stroud's been awesome. Awesome. Gotten better each game. Been impressive in each game. And Demonze, my take on Stroud going into the draft was, of all the quarterbacks, highest floor, lowest ceiling. Was that he was the least likely to be just a bust, but also the least likely of the three first-rounders to be a star. It's not looking like that right now. He played well in his first game ever against Baltimore, played very well in his second game ever against the Colts, and played great last week or this past weekend against the Jags. He's down four of his starting offensive linemen. Listen, he's going to have his ebbs and flows, but this kid is, this kid's something else, man. And we all made fun of the Texans for winning that final game of the year on the two-point conversion and costing themselves the number one pick. Maybe that worked out for him. Yeah. Because Stroud, they would have taken Bryce at one. They take Stroud, and Bryce is dinged up, and they won't let Doesn't Bryce Stroud, run quarterback. Has, has he not thrown a pick yet? Not thrown a pick. Yeah. Four touchdowns, like- zero picks, and 98 rating, 65 completion percentage, seven and a half yards per attempt. He's played well, man. I give the guy credit. All right, next. Down 17 down 17-0 in the fourth. Jordan Love led a banged-up Packers squad to a victory over the Saints. All in a fold, Green Bay has their third franchise quarterback in a row. Well, I'm not yet all in on that, and he's obviously, I don't think he's going to have a Farver-Rogers type of career. And he actually didn't play that great against New Orleans, but New Orleans has not allowed 20 points in 11 or more than 20 points in 11 straight games. That's an awesome defense. And while he didn't play great throughout, he did play great at the end. I mean, down 70 nothing in the fourth quarter. Green Bay by the way did the two-point gambit, which is such a smart thing where down 14 score a touchdown, go for two on the first one. So if you get it, then a touchdown wins you the game, and if you don't get it, then you have another opportunity to go for two. Uh, I I liked, I picked the Packers, if you remember, to win the division going into the year because I thought Love would mm-hmm. be more than serviceable. He's been at least that. He threw his first pick in this game, and he hasn't thrown for a ton of yards, but seven touchdowns, one pick, a 95 rating, pretty solid. You've got to feel good if you're the Packers. Listen, I, he's not going to be a superstar, but sitting behind Rodgers seemed to help. Those three years of apprenticeship seemed to help. He's really, I mean, he's he's an above-average huh? NFL quarterback. Well, well no, right. that's not. Jordan Love sitting and learning for three years is different than three weeks of training camp. I mean, it's if maybe yes, maybe if Zach Wilson sat behind Rodgers for three years, maybe would have picked up some things. He still wouldn't be good. But Love, I think, had a better baseline than Zach, and it worked. All right, go next. All right, Chargers coach Brandon Staley did everything that he could to lose to Minnesota, but Kirk Cousins melted down and bailed him out. All in her fold, mm-hmm. Staley should get should still get fired. The Staley thing. So listen, I, Staley's done a terrible job. But everyone's killing him for this fourth down decision. 
that was borderline at worst. Now, so they they were up four on their own 24. They went for a fourth and one to end the game. They didn't get it. They could have lost. Going for it there is a fine, totally defensible decision, no matter what all these old coaches on TV are going to tell you. Now, the play call, a fullback dive when you hadn't been able to run the ball at all all game, that was bad. But going for it was totally reasonable. What's frustrating to me is that Sean McVay, who everyone loves, rightfully so, made a far worse decision 12 hours ago. Sean McVay down 10 in the fourth quarter with six minutes left and one timeout. Fourth and five, punted the ball. That's quitting. That is saying we lose. Because even if everything works out perfectly after that, which it did, you get the stop, you go get a touchdown. What ended up happening? They had to kick an onside kick because they didn't have all their timeouts because there wasn't enough time. So everything went perfect and they were still in an onside kick game. Sean McVay punting there, indefensible. Josh McDaniels kicking that field goal that he kicked on Sunday Night Football, indefensible. Staley's decision is contrary to the norms, but defensible. Everyone kills him for it. Last night, Fowler, who I like, when the Rams only picked up five yards on third down, and again, it's fourth and five, you're down ten, there's six minutes left, you have one timeout. Fowler says, oh, and the Rams are forced to punt. No, they're not. They chose to punt. And so, I again, I didn't like the play call by Staley. But going for it there was not one of the four worst decisions coaches made in the NFL this week. And everyone just kills him for it. Next. Do you do you think Minnesota should trade Kirk Cousins? I mean, if it, maybe. If someone's willing to give you real draft capital and you want to start over, yeah, I would consider it. But because you're not going to bring him back this offseason, the problem is... You didn't get Justin Jefferson locked down to a contract extension, and Jefferson might get pissed if you just totally punt on the season. Also, by the way, Cousins in this same game, forgetting time and score after they got the ball to like the six-yard line or seven-yard line was the worst clock management I've seen from a veteran quarterback in a very, very long time. All right, next. The Patriots barely snuck away with a victory over gunslinging Zach Wilson. The Jets have reached yep. out to other quarterbacks even though they are committed to Zach Wilson. All in her fold, Carson Wentz is better than Zach Wilson. Every quarterback available is better than Zach Wilson. Most teams' backups, some teams' third stringers, it, all these guys are better than Zach Wilson. Again, everyone wants to, they're like, oh, we, we got to be nice. I we got to be nice to Zach Wilson, the human being. Zach Wilson, the football player, is the worst quarterback I've ever seen repeatedly play. He's the worst. And every time you trot him out there, you are kneecapping your team. So, yeah, of course I would have. I would have reached out to Carson Wentz the moment Rodgers got hurt. Them not doing that is a beyond baffling decision. Next. The Raiders elected to kick a field goal before the two-minute warning on Sunday night. Down eight points. All in our fold. It's time to uh, it's time to throw analytic time to throw analytics. Sorry. So 
obviously I'm folding this. This is what is so frustrating to me. They went against the analytics and analytics get blamed. <laughs> there is no theorem or formula that says what they did was smart. All of it goes against it. Now, now I do think there are instances where teams are foolish in treating a seven-point deficit the exact same as an eight-point deficit, meaning teams that act like, oh, we're down eight, so we're definitely only down one score. That's not true. You might be down two scores because the two-point conversions are hard. And the Raiders, if you were watching that game, they initially kicked a field goal with like four minutes left down eight from like the 30. I was totally fine with that call. But then there was a penalty. They accepted it. They ended up kicking a field goal anyway from inside the 10. That was outrageous because they were so much closer and because of the time of the game. So treating a game, McDaniel's point was we needed multiple scores to win the game no matter what is correct. But all the analytical models hated him kicking a field goal in that spot in that scenario. All right, DeMonte, I've got one for you. The Ravens had a chance to win in regulation. Justin Tucker's 61-yarder fell short. They went on to lose in overtime. All in her fold. DeMonze, you were too high on the Ravens. I don't think I was too high on the Ravens. I think that um, I think the Colts are, are, are a decent team. I was, I was saying they could be a frisky team at the beginning of the year. Uh, yeah. I don't think they're bad. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think that the, the real test really is Ravens are really banged up right now. Yeah, I mean, we They're obviously really have injuries, and and I think that we have a chance to prove something playing that number one defense that you're talking about with the Browns, and we'll really yep. see what's up in a week. So, um, but uh, I want to yeah. say something ab- about that game. Jay Feely was the third man in the booth for that game. I, I have, I, it's been a long time since I was more frustrated with an announcer than I was with Jay Feely in this game. If you were watching the end of Colts Ravens with sound on, you were treated. I thought Jay Feely was just there to give kicking analysis, but Jay Feely was for the the entirety of the part that I was watching with the sound on, which was the end of the fourth and the whole part of overtime. He was just, he was just chiming in at every moment. He kept saying the Ravens had the ball. On their own 49-yard line, okay? Mm-hmm. That would be a 69. It was their own 48. So that would be a 70-yard field goal, okay? F- the, the, the all-time record is 66. 63 stood forever. Then Tucker at a 66-yarder in a dome. Feely was adamant that they were already in field goal range. He was like, oh, Justin Tucker, you're in his field goal range. He can make it from here. It was a cold, rainy, outdoor game. And also, while Tucker is the best kicker I've ever seen, acting like anyone is automatic from 60-plus is lunacy, and acting like anyone can make a 70-yarder is insanity also it should be noted that justin tucker over the last i think it's eight years of his career is one of eight on 60 plus yarders nobody makes a lot of 60 yarders but feely 
was telling us they're in his range from 70. From <laughs> 70. Lamar took a sack, and Feely was like, oh, my God, now he's out of his range. It's like he was not in his range yet. <laughs> then Lamar completes a big pass and gets him to the 43. So now it's a 61-yarder. And Feely can't stop saying about, oh, Tucker is well within his range, well within his range. So then you watch him kick. This is money. And it's dead center. It's dead center. And Feely, who's there just for the kicking analysis, has been telling us this guy can hit from 70. So it's dead center, and it's obviously got plenty of leg. And so if you're watching it and you're a Ravens fan, you're like, oh, my God, we won. Things four yards short because of course it is because it's a 61 yarder in the rain outdoors. Then in overtime, the Colts have the ball, and again, you need a touchdown to win the game. Okay, but Feely is so is so caught up. Dude, he was just really hype about his his analysis, dude. He's got hype. It was a man, kicking situation at the end of the game. It was. He was so. He was. The in fact, pardon me, it wasn't overtime. It was the end of regulation before the missed field goal. The Colts have the ball with a minute ten left, down three, and they have the ball in the thirty. Baltimore's thirty, and Feely just keeps being like, "Oh, just be careful here. You're in Matt Gay's range. He can make this kick. Just don't take any negative plays." To where James Lofton has to finally step in and be like, "Jay, I think they're going to try to score a touchdown." <laughs> Because a field goal does not win the game. It was infuriating. It was totally infuriating. And if you're asking, am I extra annoyed at Jay Feely? Because, let me see if I can find this. Because once upon a time, uh, let me see if I can find this real quick. Uh, uh, Oh, he had deleted it. That once upon a time, Jay Feely and I got into a Twitter argument because he was breaking the news that uh, that the uh, about China putting the United States into the newest depression 15 years ago because he he was getting his news from I don't know some Reddit thread. And I called him out on it, and I've been kind of waiting for time to take a shot back. Yeah, I, yeah, that's probably true, but it was just painful to listen to. Quick break, answer your questions next. What's right? What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. 
Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Kickstart a fresh fall routine with Hello Fresh. Hello Fresh handles all meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part and you get to take all the credit. When it comes to options, honestly, more is more. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every week. There are so many options. My family's never unhappy. We personally love the meat and veggies options, but there's so many good ones. HelloFresh is more than just dinners. You can also stock your fridge with easy breakfast, quick lunches, and fresh snacks. Just shop HelloFresh Market and add any of those tasty, time-saving solutions to your weekly box. Try HelloFresh today by going to HelloFresh.com slash 50 Nick Wright. Use code 50, that's 5-0, code 50 Nick Wright for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. That's HelloFresh.com slash 50 Nick Wright and use code 50 Nick Wright for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. All right, before we get to your questions, I have gone through the old Twitter archives, and it is so great uh, because I, the, I, I, I was able to find um, the, the I, I was able to find his response tweet to me. I don't know how I remember these things from 2011, and. He has deleted, of course, the, the the misinformation that I had called him on about essentially the, the U.S. economy being on the brink of a depression because he had uncovered something from CNSnews.com <laughs> that the rest of the lamestream media had missed. But what he did not delete those 12 years ago when that story ended up not being accurate was the follow-up, which is so perfect. The follow-up tweet which is still up there, which is when I said, buddy, this is not true. Like, you're misleading people. You have a big platform. You shouldn't do it. From June 3rd, 2011, at, from Jay Feely, at Get Nick Right. When this comes out, you can tweet me your apology. Well, 12 and a half <laughs> years later, it's yet to happen. So that apology is not coming. Now, the, should I apologize for maybe taking some shots at a fellow broadcaster here? Maybe I would. But as Dusty, our great stats producer for First Things First, reminds me, in the midst of telling us how Justin Tucker can hit from 70 yards right before he comes up short from 60 yards, Jay Feely also repeatedly called him Jason Tucker. It's like, come on, man. All right, Demonze. What are our questions for today's show? Yo, first off, I want to apologize for the drills and bits going on in the background. They're fixing the Jacksonville Jaguars outside. I can hear them. Okay, that's oh, you, you unfair. Go ahead. Um, all right, so Chasing, Chasing Felix says, well, this was this is also in reply to the tush push rant that you went on. The league should ban the deep ball by Mahomes. It's too good. 
Okay, yeah, that's so stupid. I'm not arguing it should be banned because it's effective. I'm arguing because it should be banned because it is the opposite of entertainment. And if you hack a sport that exists to get eyeballs on it, let me, it would be, again, it is 70 years ago in Major League Baseball, Bill Veck hired a small person, guy who was like two feet, 10 inches, to be on his baseball team, brought him up to the plate. You couldn't throw a strike because the strike zone's this big. He got an automatic walk. Guess what baseball did? They changed the rules immediately. You know why? They're like, well, this is bad for the sport. If all of a sudden there was someone in professional hockey who was large enough to just not move and block the entire goal. So we're like, well, you can't score on us. We found the biggest man ever to live, and he's going to just sit there. They would change it. You know why? Oh, why don't you find someone that big? Why don't you find a quarterback that strong? It's bad for the sport. The deep ball by Mahomes is the opposite of that. Incredibly aesthetically pleasing. What people want to see. I'm not going to argue about this. Is he literally by the way, just talking about him throwing the ball deep? Is that he like, was being a smartass. Yeah, that's just like, he was just being a smartass. But Demonze, I told America a few weeks ago, I have three types of opinions. Immediately incontrovertibly correct, eventually incontrovertibly correct, and laughably wrong. This, the NFL should ban the tush push, is, is a clear bucket three. two. It yeah, is a def- clear bucket two. Eventually incontrovertibly correct. Next. All right, Ryan Fitzgerald said a uh, question for Nick. Who would you rather have for the next five years, Purdy or Jordan Love? That's a really good question, Ryan. Jordan Love. Jordan okay. Love. Okay. If I'm the Niners, maybe it's different. But if you're saying, like, I don't know what team they're going to be dropped into, I'd rather have Jordan Love. I think Jordan, the I have more reason to believe that Jordan Love could work in multiple systems than I do Brock Purdy. That's, and, and by the way, Jordan Love this week did it without his left tackle, did it without Aaron Jones, did it without Christian Watson. Brock Purdy's never played a game in the NFL without Christian McCaffrey and, and those players around him. Next. All right. Uh, we got we got Jose. Nick looks like he's about to paint the house. I look good today. That's rude. I disagree with that. This is, Danielle, your mom's here at Amaze and waiting for me because she's going to work with me today. She, But she can't hear because uh, this one of our viewers said I look like I'm about to go paint a house. She, oh, she didn't. Tell him to send us his outfit. She says send us. She says, Jose, send your outfit. She's doing a fit check, Jose. Um, I no longer have Demonze in my headphones. Talk again, Demonze. Uh, nope, I can't hear Demonze, which means show's probably about to be over, but Gabe, will read Gabe's last question, says, I see red eyes from Newark, Newark to Frankfurt for less than 1,000 on November 3rd out of the Chiefs-Fins games at Frankfurt Stadium. Not sure if they're laydown seats, so maybe not bougie enough for you, but should we go? Maybe we can hop a ride on Taylor Swift's PJ. First of all, I don't, I don't buy first-class plane tickets, so I don't need laydown seats. 
Uh, this is another thing. Demonze, your mom disagrees with me on. She, and in fact, the few times that I've been given first class seats on a flight that she's on with me, she then takes it and I go sit in the seat that I actually bought. So A, I don't buy first class plane tickets. They're too expensive. I just think it's a waste of money. The, the smart move is by the front row of coach. You get all the same as first class except for no food. You get all the leg room and it's so much cheaper. Uh, also, I'm not going to Germany for the football game. I'd love to go see Chiefs, uh, Dolphins, and Frankfurt, but I'm not going to Germany for the football game. All right, that is today's show. We will see you guys on Thursday. I'll be on the herd today in a few hours, and then first things first at 3. Thanks for listening. What's right?